Welcome back to the Office Marketing Podcast with Mike Swigert, the podcast all about sales tips, mindset, and value bombs. Five questions to help make your day more productive and learn a thing or two. Here is your host, best-selling author, Mike Swigert. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the Office Marketing Podcast. I have got a spectacular, spectacular guest today. Her name's Kay Sargent. And Kay and her team are, are, are so involved in workplace in this country, you have no idea. She is the director of workplace for HOK. And in 2019, her and her team touched over 50 million square feet in over 44 countries, touching many of the names that we could just list on forever. But what's most important is, is that she took time out of her busy day to share her her story and her insights. And really, uh, we're so humbled that you took time out of your day to, to join us. Thank you, Kay. Oh, happy to be here. Well, you're an absolute joy. I really enjoyed our, our, our pre-call. And I feel like we almost could have recorded that and that would have been a fun podcast. So, uh, <laughs> but hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you walk me through, you, you have an, uh, an amazing path of creativity and industry experience. Yeah. Would you share a little bit about, about your journey? Wow, 35 years? You want, you want me to go through 35 years? Well, you know what? You can do it all. Uh, you have 180 uh, seconds. If you could do that. No. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll say this. Uh, curiosity is what really has fueled everything for me. You know, I have been a designer uh, my whole life. Uh, started when I was 10 years old, drawing and sketching plans for all of our neighbors. Went to school, started working uh, in the profession uh, before I even graduated. Uh, and had the honor and the privilege of working for some great companies over the years, lots of big corporate clients, but have morphed my career multiple times, right? So being in Washington, D.C., there is not a branch of the federal government that I haven't designed space for. I have designed space for Secret Service, uh, you know, uh, Department of Defense, every major agency. Uh, there was a period of time that I really focused on security design. There was a period of time I'm old enough to have remembered when ADA first came out and did a lot of assessments uh, around the country. I focused a lot on workplace strategy and um, technology and innovation and focusing right now a lot on social equity and neurodiversity. So curiosity has fueled my evolution through many paths throughout my career. What, what would you say sort of like your main responsibilities right now in we're, we're going to timestamp this, this is 2021, but primarily what are your responsibilities right now? So, well, well, I'll tell you what they've been for the last five years uh, in my role as director of workplace at HOK is we deal with, with corporations that have multiple projects in multiple locations millions of square feet of space. They don't like surprises. And people are always asking, how do we future-proof? Well, newsflash, you cannot future-proof. The future is coming, you cannot stop it. You can be future-ready. And so I spend a tremendous amount of time with our team and our clients and within the industry, really focusing on what is coming and what's on the horizon and what's happening and doing a lot of future casting so we can help our clients be prepared for what lies ahead. Man, I, I feel like we could probably record about another seven hours just, <laughs> just on that. 
But why don't we, why don't we dig a little bit into just go back a little personal? Like what's your favorite part about that? Like, what does Kay really like about that? Cause you are a creative. What's your favorite part about touching the workplace? Yeah, well, you know, so first of all, I'm a I'm a glasses half full kind of girl. I I tend to be very positive in the last you know year. That's kind of been a challenge, right? But I do believe uh, very passionately that uh, in the power of place and that as designers, I believe we have a huge influence. And not only that, I think the older I get, I realize we have a huge responsibility. We have a responsibility to create spaces that not only meet our clients' needs, but really address a lot of the bigger issues. You know, I can design a space that can control and maybe you could say manipulate people's behavior or how they interact with it, um, but I can also make them feel very inclusive or very exclusive. Uh, I can make people want to be in those spaces. I can make people not want to be in those spaces. And so understanding the science of design I think is something that our profession is embracing more and more and something that I relish. I love getting on the call and talking to clients who ask questions. You know, to me, it's not about pausing because I'm gonna say something politically incorrect. Um, it's not about what you like in the corporate world. You are hiring me to do what works for your business from a branding standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a human resource standpoint, from a business efficiency standpoint. It's not about what you personally like. That's why you have a house. Go do whatever you like at your house. And so my job is to leverage our experience, our expertise and the science of design to tell you what will net you the right results from an environmental standpoint. Mm. And that I adore and fascinating to do it all day long. Well, based on that, based on the power of place, um, what what is going to draw people back into the office? I mean, obviously the power of places, but can we get a little more granular? Like what's going to get sure. people to go, you know, what do you think it's going to be? Well, I'm going to answer that very simplistically. First of all, I think we are, we are acknowledging what has organically been happening for the last several years which is we have we really have an ecosystem of spaces and places that we can work, whether it's our home, whether it's a hub, whether it's a coffee shop, whether it's an airport, whether it's your, your uh, office or hub space, right? And so this merging ecosystem, I think it's time that we embrace that. What's going to draw people to want to go to communal workplaces again? I think it's a very simple question. What can't you get at home? What do you miss? You miss amenities. You miss your coworkers. You miss an opportunity to host clients. You miss maybe ergonomic work points or a setup. You miss that amazing interactive technology that you can't get at your house. You miss being away from all the distractions that you have in your house, right? You know, so I think there's a lot of things and what we need to do is focus on creating compelling enough environments that offer you something different than you can get anywhere else that you actually want to be in. You don't have to be there five days a week, but they're compelling enough that you want to be there. And I look at this like, think about why does somebody go on a staycation? Because you want a better experience in your house. You just want service. You want somebody to take care of you. You want somebody else to do something for you. You wanna, you wanna be in a different environment. You wanna change of scenery, okay? We need to apply that kind of thinking and logic, and we need to really focus on creating amazing experiences. One of the things that we always say 
is we are no longer designing environments. We're designing the experience. And there has never been a time where that is more important than right now. Because if I don't create a compelling experience, why would you go? All right. So let's get even more granular. What are some things that we can specifically do um, to feature or maybe, uh, yeah, feature in the workplace as we go through 2021 to really do that? Because it's probably going to change for 2022 and 2023. Yeah. So, hey, Mike, how are you? Great to see you. Uh, I understand that you have a meeting today with your team. We've already reserved the room. Everything is set up. Just want to confirm this is a lunch that you want delivered. So your team is all set up, right? Okay, good. And you have two visitors that are coming. They're expected around this time. Okay, we pre-screened them. We're all ready to go. Do you want to meet with them in the lobby so they don't have to go through the screening and in the elevators? Or are you going to bring them up to your space? Okay, great. And by the way, do you want me to place your coffee order so when you get upstairs, it's all ready for you and you can grab it and go? Good. And I just want to confirm you're billing your lunch to the account, right? And you want the you want the meeting digitally recorded? Okay, good. We got you. You're all set. Oh, and by the way, that uh, workout class that you have that you really like, they've switched it to five o'clock in the community center. And so, if you want me to book you a spot, I'm happy to do that for you. Oh, Kay, you get me so excited because I, as an oxytocin addict, you know I I am so addicted to human connection. Everything about that story excites me. Like I, I love the idea of I, you, you. Obviously, you painted a beautiful picture. I love meeting clients in the lobby and then walking them through and helping them with their experience. You're, you're absolutely spot on. There was a, I think it was a McKenzie report, and you probably saw it. It came out uh, Q4 last year, and it was basically showing that productivity is actually going up in 2020. We saw productivity go up, but creativity really taken a hit. You know. I think yes. we're seeing, you know, we're seeing that like, hey, we can get our work done probably in less hours, but we're not having that that special collaboration time where the real, the real, but, the real okay. magic happens. And let's talk about that for a minute. Why Please. does that matter? Hmm. Okay, so why does that matter? That is critical. People are so focused on productivity that I literally just want to scream from the rooftops. Okay. Uber didn't find a faster way to get you something. Airbnb, um, you know, all these, all these people that have rocked every industry have not done it by producing the same thing faster. They fundamentally disrupted the industries by changing the experience and giving you a better experience. Okay. And so what was keeping CEOs up at night before COVID was not, can I produce that widget faster? It's, can I innovate fast enough to even stay relevant so that I don't become the next Kodak? Are we, are we creating that next thing? Are we keeping up with the pace of change? It's not about producing the same thing. If you're gonna produce, you know, it's, it's that famous Henry Ford quote, if I would have asked people what they would have wanted, they would have said faster horses. It's not about creating a faster horse. It's about rethinking this and that happens when you're together, right? So actually people, it's been proven that people usually get their best ideas outside of the workplace. They get it when they're doing something like running through the woods, taking a shower, driving, you know, you're mindlessly doing something and your mind can wander and you think of something. Most people get their best ideas actually right before they fall asleep. But those ideas get tested and pulled and strengthened and germinate when you throw them into a room with diverse opinions, not 
just the same opinions and mm-hmm. people that, you know, are the yes men. And that's when you get that creative tension. This is why people like uh, Stephen Jobs, you know, really wanted environments where his team was in a room together and they started finishing each other's sentences. This is why so many companies are creating scrum spaces and agile environments where people are coming together and they're those interactive moments because what really leads to innovation is social capital and connections and bonds and trust. And those sadly are not as strong when we're not together. Well, I love that. And if we can just sort of get, here's what you keyed on there recently. The diversity is going to be key, right? Because there might be one group that has a very similar thinking that's going to be quick to return to the office. And there might be a little group, another group that's maybe a little more conservative or apprehensive that may not be as likely to want to go back, but we need all voices. I think though that collaboration is really the magic. I know I need people to slow me down in my business every day. You know, because I want to, I, I like to just put my head down and run through walls. Sometimes I need people to go like, hey, why don't you think about it this way? You know, and I think we need all types in the office. So yep. what do we do? What do we do to address the needs of the groups that are probably going to be the last ones to want to come back to the office? Well, I'm going to say this. We need to start designing and scheduling things with uh, intent and purpose. If you're going to a meeting and you don't know why you're going to it, you shouldn't be going. Mm. Um, And I will say that just being together does not mean you're going to collaborate. Okay. There are a lot of people that go to the office 40 hours a week and spend that whole 40 hours trying to isolate themselves or remove themselves so that they can concentrate and focus. And they don't make an effort to connect with their coworkers because they take them for granted because they're there as an individual who travels the majority of the time, typically when I'm in an office, the whole reason I'm there is to connect with people. And so the whole intent of me being there is to connect and to, and I focus on that, right? And so I actually connect more with people when I'm not there as much because I don't take them for granted. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to be together with somebody 40 hours a week. What you need to do is have very, set times with the intent and the purpose of this is our collaboration time. This is when we're going to be brainstorming. And and by the way, you can't always plan that stuff, right? There's a lot of serendipity that happens and a great idea can come to you at any moment. And it's great to be able to be in a place and say, Hey, by the way, Mike, Oh my God, I just had this great idea, right? Like if I have to wait to calendar you to talk about that, that idea might be lost, but um, you can plan you know, kind of to connect with people and focus your intent on trying to be together. So you kind of have to have both, but just being together is not the only thing. It's really about the intent and the purpose. But I love that. I love that. I even saw in my furniture experience, sort of 16, 17, 18, I almost saw the evolution of like the three needed spaces in the office, right? So you had your like, your benching, open collaboration, then you had your your actual like collaboration cafe type spaces. But then you also had this like head down, I need to do my expense report, don't bother me space, right? Are we going to see of those spaces, what are we gonna see more of in the coming future? Well, well, we actually say that there are six modalities of work. Okay. Okay, so there's there's concentrate, there's communal processing work, right? Like 
I'm, I'm drawing, I'm doing a set of drawings and I can do that in an open studio. You know, like I'm, I'm doing solo work, but it's not deep concentration and I can be in that open environment. So uh, concentrate, communal, um, refresh, social, create, and uh, I'm, I know I'm, oh, uh, create, oh, and gather, okay. meetings. Got it. Okay, so, uh, and then we would also argue that you need a hype-o and a hype-er version of each one of those to address people's uh, sensitivity to stimulation. So we've done a tremendous amount of research over the last several years about neurodiversity. And in a sense, in a built environment, I think one of the key things is that people that are neurodivergent, whether they're you know, individuals on the spectrum with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, you know, uh, have a heightened sensitivity to stimulation. But we all, as people, have different sensitivities to stimulation. I might not be able to handle noise. You might not be able to handle visual distractions. We all kind of have this uh, balance that we're trying to find. But people that are neurodivergent tend to like really, really high and really, really low, and it can impact them. But it doesn't mean it doesn't affect everyone. And so what we really think is important is that we acknowledge that right now, especially because of COVID, everyone will have a heightened sensitivity to mm. proximity, to touch, to smells. And so it's really important that we create in, uh, environments that allow both, right? So if I take somebody that is hypoactive, they need lots of stimulation, they fidget a lot, and I put them in a meeting or in a tight room, they're going to go nuts, right? They just can't sit still, they need to move, they need to fidget. Uh, but if I take somebody who is hypersensitive and can't take stimulation and I sit them in an open plan in the middle of everything, they're going to shut down because it's just like this sensory overload that's coming at them. And so we need to acknowledge that people are impacted by that and understand we need to create a balance. And the right mix really comes down to what kind of work are you doing? So just a perfect example if you are in a creative ad industry, you might need more of the creative type spaces and those communal spaces and that refresh spaces because you know, I'm like, you know, we're running around high energy, whatever, versus an accounting firm that might need, you know, they might not be in as many meetings or as many group think tanks and they're doing more solo individual work versus a law firm, right? And so it really comes down to understanding the work patterns and the work styles of your clients and then giving them the right settings that really meet their needs. This episode of the Office Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Fusion Advisory. We help commercial contractors generate leads online profitably. Check us out at fusion-advisory.com. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I, 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 uh, I would love to work in any space that you touch because it sounds great because, hey, you know what? As a, as you a, want our designers involved. Absolutely. Not, not just well, I just said you touch me, you know, your influence uh, was, was a piece of okay. it. Well, only because I was always like a, a type A alpha sales guy, but when I needed my quiet time, I needed my quiet time too. So like maybe yeah. sometimes I wanted that high active environment and other times I really needed to I needed to go sit down and, and refresh, recharge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not only your personality, 
it's your task at hand, and quite frankly, it's the outside influences. I mean, Monday morning, if my football team has won, I want to be in the middle of everything because I'm going to be all in your face about the fact that my team just beat your team. Right. If my team lost, I might be sulking in the back, and I just don't want to be bothered, and I don't want to be around people. Like, I mean, there's multiple things that influence us, and we need to acknowledge and accept that, that that is the reality. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right. Again, I feel like you and I could talk about this forever and and I'm sure mm-hmm. our paths are crossing a lot more here coming up. But but let's go into all right. So I'm a, a small business person listening to or medium-sized business person listening to this. And I don't necessarily have a million dollars to do a major change to my space. What are some things I can do right now as my teams are coming back into the space um, to help make it be a little more inviting or uh, just more welcoming. What are some easy things we could do? Yeah. Okay. So, so number one, this is coming from a designer. So don't take what I'm about to say lightly. Preparing the workplace for the return is probably a lot easier than uh, preparing the people for going back. Focus on your people. People are going to have multiple different reactions. Uh, things are going to be different, and you need to set the new expectations of what that is. Uh, when it comes to the space, uh, what I think people are craving right now is control. Control for their own personal preferences, whatever that might be. I might not have, an, have a concern. I might be overly concerned. I might be right in the middle. Uh, get, so giving people options and choices is the number one thing that will help people feel more at ease. We are so beyond this notion of one size fits all. We need to empower people. And so what we're saying for a lot of our corporate clients who probably had, you know, maybe underutilized inflexible space in the first place is acknowledge there's an ecosystem of work, enable people to have options and choices with some parameters. It's not just free for all, right? You have to have some parameters and then give people choices so that they don't have to sit in one place. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. If you were to walk into a doctor's office right now and there were 60 chairs in the waiting room and five other people and the nurse came over to you and said, oh, hey, Mike, how are you? Uh, We have an assigned seat in the reception area for you. Here's your seat. And it happened to be right next to one of those other five people when there are 55 empty chairs, you would look at her and be like, okay, A, why are you telling me where I have to sit? And why in the heck do I have to sit right next to this guy? But we do that in the workplace. And and we need to break out of this mindset. We need to empower people to choose where they are comfortable sitting. And, And when you do that, then not everybody has to have an assigned work point. And then we can have fewer work points and actually use the space differently and um, create kind of more of this team mentality and actually empower people. Because one of the things that's happened in the last year is we are all sitting stagnantly for an extended period of time and it is taking a toll on us. And so we need to embed movement back in place. I don't want you to come in and just sit like a plant in one place all day. I want you to move it. All of our clients, Mike, you know this, Always, everybody's like, oh, how do we create flexible spaces? How do we create flexibility? Well, newsflash. The only thing in your space that is inherently flexible are the people. Yet we design spaces like they're potted plants and they're supposed to sit in one place every day and everything around it is supposed to be move. We're the only ones that have legs. The furniture doesn't you know, have, have legs on it. And so everybody is so focused on creating furniture and architecture that is flexible, which 
it's noble and we should try to do, but you ignore the fact that the most flexible thing in the environment to people, you're designing for them to sit in one place all day like a lump and how horribly wrong that is from a physical standpoint and just from a psychological, from every aspect, we approach that wrong. All right, I'm gonna ask one more question then. What is yeah. the best strategy to get our teams to mobilize? Now they're in the space and we just kind of pick a, a general industry, right? But what do we do to yeah. get them to want to get up and move through the space? So a few things. Uh, number one, not all work points are the same. So we design a variety of settings and give them options and choices that are really tailored to the specific task at hand. Number two, we, we've been doing this forever. Like McDonald's designs their chairs so you sit for 15 minutes and then you're uncomfortable and you gotta move. I can design a space that you will not stay in for more than an hour. And it can look beautiful and you would never even know it. But you know, not every chair has to be an ergonomic chair. You know, sometimes we put a stool in a space or maybe a less comfortable chair that you can sit in for a period of time, but ultimately you're gonna get up and you're gonna move because you just need to. And that from a from a ergonomic standpoint is actually the best thing we can do is to encourage that movement, right? Like sometimes the worst thing we can do is give you an over ergonomic solution that lulls you into sitting in one place all day. And so creating a variety of options that are compelling and entice me to move and then encourage managers to ask people to do that, right? Like if you create this great setting, but if somebody is sitting there and you're saying, oh, he's not working, he's over in the lounge, lounging right now. You know, if that's the perception, then people won't use it, right? You have to walk the walk and you need to understand that you might be sitting in the lounge, but you're doing really, really important work. You're talking to somebody, you're counseling somebody, you're brainstorming an idea. You don't need to be sitting at a desk, staring at a computer just to be working. And so we need to open our minds up and we need to give people options and choices. I love it. I love it. All right. So talk to me a little bit about some of the people that have inspired you in your lifetime to, cause your, your mind, you have a beautiful mind. It's so you're, you're literally a walking empath. Like your empathy levels are just through the roof. What are some people that inspired you to, to be where you are? Okay. I'm just going to say something really cheeky. So I apologize in advance. Um, family, I think, and maybe it's just, you know, a year and we realize what's really important. My father, I was a huge influence to in my life. I lost him way too early. I lost him when I was 22 years old. Huge influence on my life. One of the kindest, most wonderful people I've ever uh, met and really worked very, very hard, but also realized, you know what, the world will go on without you. So don't have too bloated of an opinion of your self-importance. Um, the other thing is my children and wanting to leave a legacy uh, for them. And then I would say the young designers that we work with inspire me, challenge me, every day they are so excited so such great ideas and i you know as i get older i think about what is the legacy that we're leaving and i talk to our clients about this you know when you're designing a space you're really not designing it for you this space is going to stand for 10 years what are people going to say about what you did 10 years from now are they going to say like who the heck designed this stupid place and didn't even think about you know blah 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 right we need to think about what are we passing on and how do we pass it forward and how can we help make it better for other people? So I, I would say, um, you know, just kind of that next generation and the pe people that are coming after us, so you may not even know, you know, I think are, are the ones that inspire me. And of course I have an amazing coworkers uh, that I work with and 
you know, uh, thought leaders in our industry that are provocative, but um, I, I think it's the challengers, it's the ones that are curious, and it's the ones that are coming that will follow us that we have to do our best for. I love it. I love it. What great inspiration. And uh, I, I toast your dad too. I'm sure he's, he's looking down, very proud of, of what you've done. And uh, he's, he's probably tickled Thank right you. now of what you've become. So, um, hey, let's, let's talk then a little bit about mindset, right? I see where you get inspiration, but what do you do to keep your personal mindset? Do you have a, a little bit of a routine or where do you go to refresh and recharge? <laughs> well, most people would say my refresh and recharge comes from my, from my prolific drinking of iced tea, um, but uh, lots of walks in the woods. I live outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, I back up to the woods uh, half a mile through the woods behind my house is uh, Mount Vernon Estate, which is George Washington's home, and spent a lot of time walking in the woods when I had my dog with my dog, uh, but now, you know, with kids, et cetera, uh, and just kind of being out and about, and also just my travels. You know, I, before the pandemic, I probably traveled 90% of the time, and it, you know, what we can learn from being in other places and other parts of the world, hearing, I just have a, a, a uh, amazing appetite for understanding different people's perspectives and seeing what's going on out there and then thinking about how does that apply and what can we learn? I'm, I'm a big, so what, what does that mean kind of person? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we apply that and, and what does that mean and what can I do about it? That's great. Do you ever, uh, do you ever do the walks barefoot? And I, I have, I'm a big fan of like walking on trails. And I am. I'm so big on a grounder. I am. Yeah. I feel like there's so much energy and power that comes from dirt. Yeah. Like I, I'm totally into it. And you know, I told you earlier, I'm well, going to run trails. I'm going to run six miles yeah. of trails this afternoon. So talk to me. Uh, so I often will go out in my backyard. It just actually, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, my kids know it because I literally I'm lying in the yard. Like that's when I just, mm. I'm like, it's like, it's almost like a surrender pose. Oh yeah. You know? Absolutely. Where I will go out there just like, okay, I'm just surrendering right to the universe or whatever um but yeah grounding i think is really funny and i do I, i'm a flip-flop girl i wear okay, flip-flops okay. yeah. all year round even in the snow in washington so always always happy to kick off my shoes and, and get a little earthy it's that i always think about that scene in the movie avatar where there was that tree of life where everything was connected and and it was this sort of mesh through the world yeah and like i center about mile three or four of a trail run all of a sudden, everything slows down a little. I my my focus goes through the roof. You would think that wouldn't be that way being an extrovert, but like I, man, through the roof. Well, I used to be a big runner. I used to run ten miles a day until my knees gave out and I can't run anymore. But I swear that's why my children all survive to adulthood is because there were moments <laughs> when I, you know, you've got a bunch of little kids and it's like, all right, I I need to get out and go for a run because if I don't, I'm just going to lose my mind. And I've had some of the the best ideas in my life happened to me on a run and, you know, gotten out a lot of frustrations being on runs. So yeah, I, I believe, you know, I also just think it's a great thing mentally for your mind. You know, Sanjay Gupta just came out with a book and he said, the best thing that you can do for your health and your, your brain health is go for a walk with a friend because mm -hmm. physical movement and exercise is so important, but also that social connection and just talking and it, it helps pass the time much more quickly and just, you know, en enables you to connect. So I, I, I really believe in that. I love that. I have some uh, Buddhist friends and um, there's a, in old Buddhism, you would only walk with someone if you were at peace with them. 
and you would you would need to get to i mean i'm not saying that we would propose this for now but like there's a real spirituality of walking with someone and then either finding peace or being at peace with them i think there's a, there's a lot of power in that you mean all those difficult conversations that i have with my children during walks i shouldn't be doing that anymore <laughs> well as long as it finishes with some my my 17 year old son will say all right dad you can either say it now or later and i'm like what he goes well, I know right. at some point in this conversation, you're going to say, you know, I really love you. And yeah. well, you know, it's almost like one of those things. Is this a walk or a talk? Because if it's a talk, I'm not going with you. If it's a walk, I'm all in. Well, this is going to lead us into our, our very last question, right? So what's a great piece of advice that you could share with, you know, young designers or, or just what's a good piece of advice you like to share, Kay? Be curious. Don't settle and evolve. You know, I, I think... I recently actually was talking to some of our younger designers and they asked me about my history and I shared some of the things that I've done as a designer and they're like, what? You know, they had no idea that during my career, just some of the things or that I had done and um, they were blown away by that. And it's like, you know, that's how you survive. I mean, I've been a designer for 35 years. If I was doing the same thing every day, oh my Okay, Kay, you know, I don't think you realize how how powerful I wrote it down because I might actually change my screen setting because I love I always have right now it says uh, do more of what works right I've yeah. been kind of like self coaching myself but but yeah. I love if anybody's listening three things Kay said very quickly be curious don't settle evolve can we make that can we put yeah. that on a shirt can we can we do Absolutely. that that's brilliant yeah and I get it. Yeah, and I think part of that is, you know, a little bit of self-awareness. You know, we spend so much time looking in the rearview mirror that we don't look up and see what's about to smack us in the face. And, you know, in, in beforehand, you asked me a question, and you and I'm going to out myself and you. You said uh, in, in the pre-thought, your pre-discussion, you made a comment about, um, you know, that I said I do a lot of future casting, and, sh and you said, so did you future cast the pandemic? Mm. And I said, no, you know, predicting a one in a century pandemic, which I think they're going to come more often than that now, by the way, sorry, uh, is hard to do. However, there are other things that we are predicting that we believe people are ignoring. And I think one of the things I would, also say is lift your head up and look to the horizon and see what is about to smack you in the face don't you know it's not a surprise artificial intelligence biometrics security threats and risk climate change you know we we are ignoring a lot of the things that we know we're about to run into and that's not really very smart and so one of the things you have to do is em embrace the uncomfortable and start to prepare for it and to think about it so that you can get to a better place. So, you know, one of my favorite uh, things ever was Willie Galt. He was one of my favorite football players uh, before a Super Bowl was standing in the end zone, very quietly contemplating and thinking. And everybody else is running around preparing for the game. And a reporter walked over to him and said, you know, Willie, you're about to play the biggest game of your life. And you're over here just kind of, you know, being really quiet and, and, uh, and you know, navel gazing, what are you doing? And he said, I'm imagining myself catching that perfect pass because if I don't imagine it and prepare for it, then when it happens, I'll be caught off guard. And in that hesitation, I might stumble and not see it through fruition, right? And so this notion that we need to think about what's coming because otherwise, 
we are the perfect victim and we're not in a position to respond. You know, you think about how horribly we have responded to this pandemic. It's because we didn't think about it. We didn't embrace it. And there are other things that are threatening us right now that we will do, we will have the same horrible response to if we don't acknowledge, look at it, and plan accordingly. So when it does hit us, we're prepared. And I think, you know, again, you know, part of this is you got to be prepared. Well, I love it. Okay. You're, you're, a, you're an amazing, uh, uh, creative, uh, a visionary, an implementer. Old. You really old, are. You're old, you're old and lots of, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. With lots, age, lots with age comes wisdom. Yeah. And I love it. And yeah. thank you for sharing your wisdom. If somebody wanted to contact you, would LinkedIn be the best way for someone to reach out to yeah, you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, or, or you can always reach me too at HOK. Uh, so it's K K A Y dot Sargent, S A R G E N T at H O K dot com. Well, and by I'm, the way, when I say old, I'm, I'm, I'm 56. So I still got about 10 to 15 years left in me. We're, so, we're the same age. We're the same age, Kay. We're uh, right there. Okay. We just, that's why uh, we, hey, let's just, let's just keep our shoes maybe, off. Maybe experienced, seasoned, <laughs> maybe seasoned is a better way to say No, we're, um, we're curious. We never settle and we're always evolving. So really you're an absolute blessing to the world, Kay. Thanks for coming on. Really enjoyed our time together. Happy Thanks. to. Great to chat with you, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Office Marketing Podcast. Be sure to join the conversation on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. If you enjoyed the episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.